obviously we won't use this. I'm just, I'll probably just forget to record, like, and we just have a chat. So, and then it'd be like, oh, yeah, oops. And Egg White. And special guest, Eric Lampere. I, I did have a chat with my friend about that, though. Like, what is freedom of speech for entertainers, right? Because you're, you're playing, you're technically playing characters, right? Because you, you've got names, but you're Egg White and woke Asian. So Wokeasian therefore guy, yeah. your characters, which means that you can actually say whatever you want. I mean, I, it's so complex, right? Like, do you want things to trail you like in the future? I, I don't know. And it also depends what you want to say. Like, like some stuff that you might say might really help someone else. A serial killer, perhaps. So I know, who knows? absolutely. <laughs> Oh yeah, no. Should we do an introduction for you first as well? Because hey, you guys, you guys are the professionals. You know what you're doing. We're e echinals. Yeah. Without <laughs> the prof. Yeah. I know, I, well, basically, we have our first ever actual guest today. Someone is actually a real life person who's not an impression that either myself or Egg White have made. So shut the front door. Shut the front door. So he's an actor, a director, a podcast maker, a stand-up comic, a sit-down comic, an all-round creative talent. Eric Lampere, welcome to the Woke Asian Guy and Egg White podcast. Now, Hello, it's, gentlemen. It's... Thanks for Hi. having me. I didn't realize I was your first. Yeah, your yeah, first yeah. ever. First it, feels, ever. it feels good. It feels special. It feels like also I might get used and abused by both of you. Like I'm your first one. I'm your trial well. boy. Well, we're just both nervous guys, really. We're just going to go. We've got or, you know, uh, but I listen. I listened to one of your episodes, <laughs> and you two've got you've got some good chemistry. You've got you. You know what you're doing. There's, there's a lot of built up to sexual tension. It's because basically, I feel like I'm in safe hands. We we haven't seen each other physically for all, for about six months. So so this is this is this is like the best of friendships, really, because we don't really like each other. So yeah. Like, okay. and then, once a week, we kind of we just get on the on the on the call and we pretend to like each other. Yeah, uh, and that's how it goes. Yeah, pretend so, to like each other, then. <laughs> Is this so, like an so, anger management thing? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I obviously am the uh, the token white angry guy, and he's the woke Asian guy. Um, so you're you've got many hats. Your I, I, yeah, well, you introduced me, and I was like, even I was, I was like, oh god, you, you need so many hats nowadays. You can't just be one thing. It's so, may, if, may I swear, like fucking annoying yeah. to be like actor, director, writer. It sounds good, and at the same time, it's like, choose a lane. I, I, I know, I, ju I just want to be an actor. That's all I want to do. Maybe a little bit of comedy to the side, but I just want. But there's no directors calling me yet. <laughs> Where are they? I'm ready for this. For my spotlight, <laughs> well, I'm going to be gonna... spotted in Starbucks. But we, we're basically we're basically going to save this for for a little bit later. But but it seems seems kind of like quite quite a good moment. Been trying to um you know get a a sitcom started. Hold your horses. This is to remind you a parody podcast. These are fictional characters we're talking about with no reference to real life people. Got that? Good. Now let's continue. Called uh, Jim Davidson is not my racist uncle lives in my attic. Now, now, for, for, firstly, there's a, there's a few things that, that you do know. Uh, do you know who Jim Davidson is? Of course, yeah, big you're, break, you're, baby. Yeah, you're fully aware. Yeah, nineties yeah. reference, lovely. Yes, <laughs> and the the premise is uh, wo wokey, 
is well, it's Jim Davidson is not racist uncle lives in his attic and and then well, films his YouTube YouTube videos with um Katie Hopkins. Now, well, no, no, with... the context of it is was the fact that I'm actually at home with my family and kids, having mm. no career, and Egg White is my best friend who pops over now and again, and we do podcasts. Then somehow. Mm. Meta. It just evolved. Yeah, it just, yeah, very meta. So it evolved into the fact that, wait a sec, what if that we started talking about Jim Davidson because he's got his YouTube channel, which is not really gone like, you know, an interesting angle. Uh, it's sort of like being anti-woke and all that. And we thought, wait, wait a sec, what if Jim Davidson was my unofficial uncle and he basically stayed with me and went in my loft? And it's yeah, just we basically, were, why would he be in loft? Is he struggling financially? Um, we want to keep it ambiguous because you know lawyers and stuff. So we're just keeping it. Then again, we're actually naming him. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. That... Why, why is he in your loft? That's <laughs> that's what I'm intrigued about. Is he really well, struggling? Like he's my long, he's my long lost uncle. Shall we say yeah? He's yeah. My, he's my long lost uncle, and he's fallen out with everybody. So he's okay, basically so he needs a place I'm, to I'm stay, the last yeah. person. Yeah, yeah he's come to my place looking for a place to stay. Then goes into a loft because that, that's the spare room that we have, and he just starts his podcasting oh, so empire in there. You're the last person that said yes, which means that there's not really yeah. a relationship there, right? Okay. Uh, uh, exactly. It's, it's yeah. a, we have, well, the characters haven't spoken for years ever since. And is there a uh, what's the character arc for both you and Davidson? Like, do you learn from each other? Maybe you could be a little bit not racist by the end, and um, and Jim can be <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, the acceptable of a few tribes. It goes full circle. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, we, I think we're that. sort of workshopping it at the moment in like in bits of the podcast and obviously offline as well. So an interesting angle. So he could actually become woke. I think we don't want it to be like friend. Uh, sorry, um, Seinfeld. Friends. You know, it's like yeah, yeah, because that really sounds like friends, doesn't it? Joey <laughs> pops over. I oh, know, like Seinfeld, basically, because Seinfeld was notoriously no hugging, no learning. So no one learned. No one. You know, made up or anything else, and the audience. Oh, I like know. No hugging, away. no learning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was their famous motto in it. So I don't want the no hugging, no le learning. So we'd actually like, yeah, we learn something from each other, and society becomes better from it. That's that no is hugging. nice. That is nice. No Are hugging, you doing no six learning. episodes? Is this like a six episode for one series? Like the very British method. We're pitching six yeah, episodes. Definitely. Six episodes. Okay, definitely. I, I, I mean, I feel like you're gonna not run into trouble with the title. Yeah, yeah we're, we're, it's, it's a work in progress title. We can always change it to. Although I don't know. it would be amazing if you actually got Jim Davidson. This, this is what we're going everything's for. Everything's fine. Well, this is what well, we're going for. We're, we're going for him. And, and hopefully, you know, he's kind of do the, what, what was the, a Kirby enthusiasm kind of style of. Yeah, of yeah, of, yeah. Know, rebrand. So oh, rebrand Jim. Him. Maybe, yeah, yeah he yeah. does need help, doesn't he? <laughs> I mean, the fact that he's living in an Asian household, you know, I'm, I'm hoping if we do really well, no one's going to question that and just look at the actual, you know, the story arcs as the conflict actually happens with these two characters in the house. And the kids, the kids love their uncle that they haven't seen in years. <laughs> yeah, you can teach him, so can teach like, him snooker. That's great. So we're this actually going to give him heart. You've actually said one of the jokes. So, yes. Yeah, that is, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. That's, that's, that's episode one. He doesn't like the kids, no, I, but then you know, he ends up kind a of a British curb your enthusiasm with Jim Davidson is actually, I think, it, I could see it happening. I just feel Niche. like Jim Davidson is a not racist uh, title, 
Uh, I can see his lawyers and his agents going, I'll tell you what, let's workshop something else. <laughs> yeah, let's backtrack it, on this. Is it just the word not racist till we go for bigger? So just as we're the... workshopping it, we can feel the lawyers just breathing down our neck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I mean well, why, I'm, I'm, just in case we don't get him, I mean, what, what's your Jim Davison impression like? Oh, I, 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 it's such a long time ago because, as you know, like I use Big Break as my reference yeah. um, for Jim Davidson. So I don't really, I don't even know what he sounds like anymore. So, well, no one does. So, egg, egg, you know, you, no, Eggwood does a good impression. Oh, yes. Yeah? Yeah. And you're still shouting at the TV! <laughs> I'm getting yeah, my point across! His face like, just gets, gets red in the face, doesn't it? He just gets red in the face and he tries to. <laughs> Sort of like that, but is he yeah. a gremlin? Um, <laughs> 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 is he a gremlin? Yeah. Um, so you know, there's always there's always a part for you in that. You know? I think I, I think appreciate we'll that. that. It's, it's, I... it's there. It's there. Who yeah, would I, I be? We'll like, as a white uh, person, I'm not in the Asian family, or am I? Or am I in the, like an honorary member of this Asian family? Oh, how can we? Am yeah, I a neighbor, I... or am I like one of Jim's? Dirty scallywag I, friends. I think I like the scallywag friends or a neighbour like Wilson friends. from home from, from home improvement where you only see like that part of his face. <laughs> oh, I like you know, that. Yeah. So it's like, oh, oh, hi Wilson. Hi. Never gonna see my face. Never gonna see my face. Oh, I like that. Especially yeah, because like, I've, I've been typecast as a scallywag friend too many times. So I, I like the idea of uh branching out. We can, uh, we yeah, you've been typecast as that. So I like you know, when I first started stand-up and stuff, I, I used to do uh, a relative amount of drugs. A relative amount? Like, I don't know. What, <laughs> I don't know how you can quantify that. Are we, are we um, talking? Are we? Are we on the like? You know, what kind of scale are we on? Are we on like? A... No, no, nothing too bad. But like, every time I went to a music festivals, I, yeah. I would do it. Uh, every time I would go to like maybe a nightclub, I'd probably do something. You know, and then with the uh, entertainment business, you know, sometimes you just like snowball into like a wild party and it just sort of happens. But then also like looking back, I realized I would do a lot of drugs because of like, you know, uh, unresolved issues and trauma, like, you know, buried deep into my psyche. Mm -hmm. So I understand why I did it. I don't look back with um, uh, any sadness or anything like that. But yeah, I did, I did, a, I did an amount. And so there was a, a moment in my career where I just kept looking at all the auditions I was getting and it was always like oh you know lanky criminal you know like that kind of stuff and I said to my agent I was like bruv like why why am I constantly getting this sort of stuff and she was like Eric that's kind of what you're putting out <laughs> and I was like oh oh yeah I, mean, yeah, I want to play right. for De Niro I'm gonna do everything but I mean that that's sort of the age that's that's sort of like your equivalent of Asian actors that come in on the scene, especially like 20 years ago. It's like, can you put an accent? What's that master of none? That was literally the sort of the running gag in it, where you had to like mm. he's going for a part as a taxi driver. Then he does it in his American accent. He goes, like, can you do an accent? So it's that typecasting <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know how far you got into the podcast the last episode, but I told the story. It's just true. About the fact that one of my colleagues asked me to do a voiceover. No, yeah, I don't you do. To get, you, had to, you had to go more Indian, right? Yeah. Oh, no. Asian, no, no, no. He, he <laughs> just he did that on a whim. Yeah, 
I'm self-destructive <laughs> like that. So they just thought, because it's Indian cricket, they wanted me with an English accent, BBC English, which is fine. Yeah. But because the, it's actually a friend of mine who's running the boards, I gave him some options. And I think that's smart, though. That's actually a smart move because, firstly, they can say, no, thank you, next, right? Like, they can just move you on, move you along. But also, you're showcasing your talent. I think that's actually a good move. But my favourite thing was one of the editors who, was, mm. who wasn't in on that day, she came in and I showed it to them. And it literally, I played the Indian accent version. She's heard the English one. And I love the fact that I offend people to the point where they just don't know whether to laugh or not. So she just <laughs> stared and just went and just her jaw dropped and she's just trying not to laugh. But you know she wants to laugh, but doesn't. Because again, <laughs> yeah. it's politically correct climate. Did you use people's white guilt against them? Oh, all the time. This That's is a um, good question. <laughs> and the brown guy gag I did in the last episode, that is exactly what it was. And they literally looked at me and they didn't know what to do. So, yeah, of course. I mean, I, I feel I can get away with it. That's why I do it. Yeah, I'm quite lucky in the US having a British accent. I seem to get away with like so much more. Oh, yeah, you're like, so adorable. Oh, British. He, has, he has no idea. Yeah. Oh, he's so charismatic. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you know, I mean you can probably shout and swear at everybody. Goes, that's so adorable when he swears. Oh my god. Well, I have done that a few times, and I there was one gig where I, I took it too far, and I went, oh, I've learned a lesson. Um, <laughs> so, so, so the you, amount of gigs of... I've, I've ruined. My, my bad. What was that? Are you? Are you uh, sorry, sorry. Are you, are you gigging quite a lot at the moment? Not at the moment, actually. Uh, I mean, I've got one tonight. I've got a few coming up. Uh, it's a lot harder, I find, to get some good gigs in LA. Firstly, there's the distance, you know, there's the like, there's a lot of driving to get from one gig to another. And and the gigs here, so many of them are so bad. You know, but that, you'll, that's you'll good go for to you, like a, right? No, it's it's bad in a different way. It's bad in a in a way that I I feel like there's nothing to learn. Um, so uh, oh, even okay. in terms of like trying a new joke, and you're like, I've not learned really anything here. So um, some gigs will be just in front of comedians. And so, you know, I've seen some comedians make the whole room of comedians laugh and then you put them in front of an actual audience, it doesn't translate uh, because comedians are like these jaded people waiting for their turn to speak. So a lot of those gigs, I, I was like, well, I don't want to go to those. And then uh, some other shows, you know, you turn up, there'd be maybe five people peppered in the audience. And when I say five, they're not together. You know, like there'll be like one guy on his own, maybe two people together, another person on his own. And it'll be like in a sports bar where they haven't turned off their screens. <laughs> and and another, that's another thing. I'm like, okay, I don't know what I can learn from here. And I suppose that I'm trying to get that right balance between ego and, and self-worth. And it's quite a delicate balance. But at some point after, you know, I've been doing this for now, over a decade you know once you've done some shows with you know thousands of people or you've done like just regular shows to like a nice 200 people yeah yeah you know doing a show to five people it's not that it's not fun i've done it in edinburgh i i, I genuinely can enjoy <laughs> those shows but to drive an hour and a half through traffic to then arrive at a bar where they you know you're competing against the american football noise there's nothing there. and so a lot of those shows a lot of those shows are like that yeah and it's um it's uh, i think it's unbearable 
and and this is where the, my ego comes in. I suppose it's unbearable once I've you know I've come from a place where I used to gig quite a lot, and I come here and they're like, who the who the f are you? So understandably, yeah. I have to prove myself. But there's a part of me that goes, how much do I need to prove myself? You know, like, and this is a, like I remember saying this to like someone at the beginning. They were like, why don't you do those shows? And I was like, so many of you are working really hard to be invited to the Montreal Festival. I've done it twice. So surely that should translate to you just trusting me with a set. And what's difficult is that sometimes I'll go, okay, well, we'll trust you with the set and they'll give me two minutes. <laughs> and that's fine. It's a, it's, that was actually a beautiful new challenge, right? Because normally even as an open micer, you'll at least start with like five, right? Yeah. But, um, they'll, give you, they'll give you two minutes and they'll go, oh, that was really good. We'll get you back on next year. There's so there's so many there's so many there's no like way yeah. to develop LA is honestly LA is so difficult. Is is that yes. is that the main difference between between like UK and US the sort of comedy scene? I think that with London and New York, I think it's a meritocracy. So you know, if, if you do well, you go up. While LA, it's different. I still can't quite put the word on it, but it's are these um, jobbing actors? You have to. You have to be a lot of them are actors, uh, and I see I see why you get, you know, it's like an audition. You never know who's in the audience, and and uh, you know, just yeah. just I mean, things in LA can change drastically very quickly. And um, one thing that someone once said to me was, they they compared New York and LA, and they said in New York it's about what you've done, it's about what you're bringing to the table because of what you've done. While LA, it's about what you're doing now, right oh, now. Oh, okay. And I, I, yeah. I sort of see that as truth. Like in New York, you can arrive and go like, "Oh, look, I've had, I had this award, and I did this, and look at all these beautiful shows I've done." And they'll go, "Okay, so you know what you're doing. We'll trust you with some shows." While, um, yeah, in LA, it's like, "Sorry, who are you now? What have you done now?" Yeah, it sounds like there's a multi-hyphenate structure in LA. And oh, that's it, a great it, word, it, and you're going to have to define it for the layman, for egg white. Egg white doesn't understand what I've, I've got no idea. I mean, I switched I, off when you started talking. I've got, I've, I've got to define it for myself. So in London, a lot of stand-up comics that I've known and met and known, they don't really have any other skills apart from, you know, they just want to do stand-up, you know, and comedy and yeah. all that. But in LA, it just sounds like like what you're doing. You're writing, directing acting as well as doing stand-up and yeah. you're doing all these various things there so you sort of have uh, yeah. to branch out and it's it's strange that's, that's a I'm big actually, business I'm card grateful. It? it's a big business card like, yeah. like now for example you know sometimes i've compared i've introduced myself as an artist because there's just so many different things now that i do and so it's it's quite funny because i'm actually grateful for the fact that it became so hard because all of a sudden i was like okay well i'll write a script and it turns out that script is pretty good and Okay, well, I'll try and direct, and I directed, and I, it was crap. It was so bad, but I learned so much, and I was like, "Oh, I really like directing." And I don't think that any of that would have happened if I had stayed in the UK. And I think one of the uh, great things, but paradoxically challenging things for comedians in the UK is you can gig so regularly that you forget to do other things you'll wake up every day just working on your material and and forget that you know you could be doing this that this you know 
while in LA you just you actually don't have a choice. You're not yeah. given the choice. Because mm. I know. Uh, go on, go on, Mikey. Oh no, no! I was just saying, there's a guy called Don Bizwas, and he's been gigging I've for Don years. Biswas. I've seen, I've, I've spoken to him a couple of times. I've seen some of his shows. They're brilliant, but he's literally been gigging for so long. He's only gone professional this year after when I first met him in what, two thousand and eight or nine or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, I start, I started in two thousand eight, and I'm pretty sure I met him the first week I started stand up uh, at the Lions Den in Kings Cross. Lions Den. I've, I've. Yeah. Basically, to give you some backstory, I did one stand-up, my first ever stand-up. I walked on stage like like Jimi Hendrix, had my material in my mind. I've spoken to the microphone. True story. I just heard the vo my voice come back to me, and I walked off without saying anything else. After saying uh, hang on, hello, hang on, hang on. No, that's not the full story. <laughs> you, you didn't. You didn't just walk off without saying anything. You you. You froze, and then you end up oh, saying, what, yes. what, 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 I, I what's the word you end up saying? A penis. So it was. I found out later you shouldn't do rude gags, and I became really self-conscious. I actually got heckled as I walked off because everyone, this is North London. This is the North London club, which everyone used to go to. And they said, no, 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 finish your set, finish your set. I was too distraught. My friend went up and did three minutes and smashed it. Then we went to the Lion's Den, and I, and I, I did a big non-performance there as well while my mate smashed it for five minutes yeah but these non-performances there's still something to learn yeah you know, trauma. I, that was, that was <laughs> the most traumatic traumatic gig ever the, the do you do time. do you do stand-up yeah well. yeah yes yes um when did you start about the same time it's about 2008 i think i think uh in fact i think i might have been on the same bill in the line then um oh amazing for AJ. uh very a long i guess a long time it's like some people you like our, our paths just never meet like there's there's so many comedians out there and yeah some people you just ne you happen to never gig with or or like you gigged with like de a decade ago and yeah it's um it's, i do love that about our industry actually but it's um yeah and then, and there's always people kind of dipping in and out as well I'm trying trying it on there so there's always yeah. there's always people to me yeah so, i know a fair I've few got... who, who who did it uh, so i know a fair few who did it for a few you know for a couple of years and they basically did it but the learning experience for me was i don't have the kind of like bursting like need to do it a lot of stand up comics are obsessive and they will go on night after night you know they'll do great they'll do not do great and they mm. just have this, I've just spotted the fact that they just have this need to be on stage to get that energy in, you know, and I won't dissect. Yeah, so one thing I experienced, when I did hypnotherapy a, a few years back and uh, it worked mm. really well. It, it literally, I, I woke up a different person. I literally, <laughs> I was healed. It was amazing. And what was strange with that came, um, a wave of self-love that I hadn't experienced before. As in, I, I was genuinely comfortable with who I was for the first time in, I mean, maybe it felt like ever. And what then happened with that was I lost this fire, this desire to be on stage. And it took me a while to work out that actually the reason I used to go on stage before was because just one wave of laughter felt like this love that I hadn't received as a kid or, or whatever, you know, the, whatever was missing from my childhood, I was getting it finally. And as soon as I healed 
from like you know in my mind i didn't need to go on stage anymore um which was yeah. really really that, beautiful experience right but it been. also it did not delayed well yeah kind of delayed it delayed me getting back on stage because all of a sudden i was like well what's my reason for going back up there and it's really interesting and, and now you know it well the reason is people need to laugh you know mm. people have a nine to five monday to friday and we're the clowns that can actually provide them with a good night and a good bit of relief and entertainment I mean, there's, there's, and education i, th I think that. we're well, it's more 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 really important now because you think you look at just what's going on i mean even just you know how many prime ministers we've just had in the last week uh <laughs> the the war in the ukraine you know post COVID. oh you know what i will say Trump, this right all that kind of stuff i uh the old list trust thing i didn't i didn't uh uh pay too much attention to the um, what was going on in the uk i i tend to watch global news uh, I tend to watch, yeah, like you know, news from all over the world. You'll hear my trailer. And, <laughs> and um, but one thing I will say, and I think this speaks to uh, the symbiotic relationship between performer and audience as well, is a performer will always do better if the audience are just there to have fun and they want to have a good time, and they are they show that by looking at the stage and actually maybe laughing a little bit harder than they need to, even if, even if it's at the beginning a little bit fake. And that's why a good MC will you know get that engineered. And I I feel like that has to be the same for leaders. Like you know I don't know who Liz Truss is. I'm not conservative, nor am I really Labour. I don't really know where I am because of this my nomad my nomadic childhood. But a, a leader needs the backing of a people and if a people keep going or well, you're gonna f right at some point while they're busy like backhanding all the insults and heckles from like their own party after a couple of weeks they're like well you haven't done any work no i haven't done any work because you're all you're trying to bring me down like at some point can you just choose a leader whether you like it or not and just support that person it's Oh yeah, no, yeah, uh, yeah, it's all self-destructive. I, I genuinely felt bad. Oh, she's only been there for 44 days. Yeah, for 44 days, all I saw was people going, what a <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like, she, it's like, She's still taking the full annual salary. That's what people, that's what the Daily Mail are, uh, are taking home from this. Yeah, but you will and take it as well. So shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I well, want an annual yeah. salary for done nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, destroy the economy. Yay! Can I have my hey, please? She's the <laughs> only one that's been for a king and a queen. That's true. So, yes, yeah. And, and no, no one can take that away from her. So especially that that clip where where Charles just went, oh, oh dear. <laughs> that's that's gold. <laughs> Comedy on, gold. So on, on, Charlie. on the on the circuits, bring it back to the the uh, the, the angle, uh, the woke angle. So have you noticed? Is there are there kind of, you know things that you can't say is as the has the scene changed on the when you're doing kind of like your gigs are there things you can and cannot say or or or, 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 or audiences you know are different are they are they kind of slightly more aggressive are they are they kind of wanting different things if you mm. compare it to 10 um, years ago to today i think probably be a good kind of like barometer i suppose i can only compare it really to my own perspective and and what i'm willing to do on stage because what you know what you can do in LA will be different to New York and Montreal and the UK. So I have, I suppose, I have a geographical 
perspective that's maybe different to someone who only has, let's say, one territory. I also do my shows in it in French. So I also have uh, France and I also have uh, French Canada, which the two same languages, but yeah. two very different um, reactions. So it's difficult to say. I'm not also gigging enough or famous is not the right word, but um, yeah, I'm just not regularly gigging enough to truly get enough results, right? But I suppose what, what happened with all of the either cancel culture stuff is highlight potentially uh, the power of words and uh, our, our responsibility when we're on stage to better formulate a joke. And so I think that you can joke about absolutely anything. I do. I have done some very risky jokes <laughs> in my time. Uh, in This year, I spoke about certain things that I don't want to say on the podcast because on the podcast it would it could for example this is something that I have to think about right I get yeah. taken out of context it could get taken out of context it could get like a little sound bite right while if I do because we would stage, do that as well we would we would do that and put it all over TikTok and Instagram but if like I was to uh, go on stage with a well crafted and balanced uh, thing of something that I did, for example, that I was maybe ashamed of when I was a kid or, or whatever, then, okay, you can take a soundbite, but on my channel, there'll be a the, the full video. It'll be well-constructed. Um, so uh, if anything, it's it's made me more excited to say outrageous things. I don't because um, we're sort of alluding to that, What? because well, I was in Edinburgh just for like a long weekend uh, this year. And obviously that that's when the Jerry Sadowitz thing kicked off. Yeah, I heard about that briefly. Uh, so firstly, as an audience member, if you haven't done your research with the comedians that you're watching, it's it's on you. Jerry Sadowitz, everyone knows, everyone knows what he's like, right? We all know. Um, I haven't seen his show, but from what I gather, it's quite, it, it, it's, it's quite almost risque. not like a comedy show. It's more like almost an experiment that he was Yes, it's shock theatre as yeah. well. And I, I think what, what is challenging and therefore it needs to be handled by a great performer, which I'm not saying that Jerry Sadowitz is or isn't, but you know, if you're treading the line between shock theater and actually just gathering a, a public that are full of hate, um, that line is very, very challenging to, to, to play along. Um, and you know, like for example, the pub, Pub landlord Al, yeah. right? There, there was actually it was a beautiful play between. Uh, he was speaking for a voice that felt like they were disenfranchised and stuff like that, while also making fun of them. And uh, I don't know. It, it seemed to be. It was. It's difficult, but he's playing it properly. While um, I mean, it's well written. The, that's the thing. The, so, the last right. on Al Murray show are different if you go and see it in the Soho Theatre to if you go and see it in Bedford. Speaking yeah. from experience. Right, but, that, but that's, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. So um, it's very difficult to know, you know, what you can and can't say. You know, I, uh, I've i got some jokes that are risky about, oh, or any sorts of jokes that are risky. And let's say if there's a joke that's risky about one topic and then all of a sudden I'm presented with an audience that would likely be more offended by that joke, it's my responsibility to either do it or not. But it's also my responsibility to make sure that I'm happy with my performance. So I often will still say the joke because I want to walk away going, 
I'm proud of myself. I, I can hold my head high. Now the joke has to be good. Yeah, um, I know, very true. If the joke is good and you are in a comedy club and you're offended, that's on you. Go see a therapist. I, I once did I once did a joke. It's not even a joke, it was a true story. And um I don't want to share too much about it, but uh it was essentially if you if you listen to what what was being said, it was very much a story about uh unison about how you know we're all the same but we're all different we all have different tastes and stuff like that but ultimately that's what makes us whole and, and unified and uh and someone was so angry at, at, the, at my show afterwards they, they they were screaming at my face with the finger pointed you know that kind of stuff yeah. and i'm and i'm breathing and all i can see is a, a hurt child right it's an adult man but i could see yeah. the hurt child in him and what happened was he heard me make fun of something which in its construction is sandwiched between me you know like the shit sandwich you know you offer yeah. a compliment you, you know, it was it, it's structured in a way that i know what i'm doing but all he heard was that and it sounded like an, in an insult where the audience were laughing and then this is what happens you can see in their faces sometimes the trauma then gets echoed in their head and that's it you're muted you're muted for the rest of the show they can't hear you and then what they do is they play the memories of their trauma in their head while you're on stage and they associate that trauma that memory being echoed with you and then they blame you for it it's lazy it's annoying we're not your therapists <laughs> At the same time, so am I? Do I feel responsible? Yeah, of course I do. I don't. I don't want to hurt anyone yeah. with my comedy, but um, I can't please everyone. And um, even his friends, you can see his friends were like looking at me and looking at him, and they were looking at me as if to say, "Sorry, I don't think he understood the joke." <laughs> like, <laughs> you could tell. I, I do feel responsible, and I think it is important to be aware of the effects on people. Hi, I'm a completely disinterested Simon Cowell. If you've been triggered by any of the stand-up comedy you've seen since lockdown finished, maybe the issue is not the comedian actually making the joke, it's actually you. So I suggest therapy. I don't need therapy because I used to take Sunita. I mean, I think Jerry Sadowitz was aware of his audience because his audience are the same audience he's had for like decades. But for some reason, a few months ago, when he did his show, you know, certain people in the audience just offended with the stuff he's saying. Like he flashed someone, then he made some racially contentious jokes, which even for me, if mm. I was there, I wouldn't have been offended by those jokes because that, that's what you get with that kind of like presence, essentially. Yeah, if you're going to go see a Tarantino film and then you're surprised that there's like blood, blood and gunshots. Yeah. It's like, well, go see the other catalogue go see his catalogue of work you know if you go see christopher nolan film and you're annoyed that you're confused about time when you come out of it like go see his films like it's so it's annoying i think i think the people that are to blame for the jerry sadowitz thing is uh, the organization because you've allowed a comedian that you know does stuff mm. like this and then you cancel his show that is Pathetic. I think it's pathetic. Well, you, is maybe a, a harsh word. 
But I, I feel like the organization should have the back of the artists. And if you've said yes to hiring an artist, it, that's on you. It is obviously the, the fringe festival as well, right? So, you know, you're going to see a lot of the different things and you're not going to like a lot of them. And some things will be challenging, some things will be, you know, nice, some things will be nasty, some things will be funny things and some things will be, you know, like it will basically question. And, that, and well, isn't that the point of like, you know, the fringe sorry. festival? But overall, I think I think it'll be good for Jerry Sadowitz because it was great promotion. He can oh, now yeah. do his show wherever he goes. But no, I think it was the responsibility of the organisation. So, do you so, think? Do you think? Would you ever do something deliberately so close to the mark to kind of you know almost get to that point point of like cancelled, uh, and then and then you can kind of then have this. This is the joke that got me cancelled. Would I do that? Um, so um, I'm aware that I throw wrenches in my works. Uh, like when I improvise on stage and it goes really well, you know, would I prefer it to go well for 20 minutes or would I prefer it to go well for 10 minutes, really mess it up for five to try and get it back for the last five minutes? I prefer that kind because it creates a bigger atmosphere. Yeah in the audience uh not only for five minutes are they like how is he going to get it back if they if they're on my side how is he going to get back and if they don't like me how am i going to get them on board but also the that to go from that to a successful last five minutes requires a level of skill that i enjoy but i think audiences enjoy and, and i learned that from when i did the latitude festival oh god 2000 10 i think or 11 it was me it was competition me james a caster ramesh ranganathan don't, don't, don't mention ramesh to uh to Woki. yeah it's uh, it's, it's, it's like the noose around his neck <laughs> so I, well you'll be glad you'll be glad to hear although obviously it hasn't translated to tv gigs but i i won the competition Woo! and i i asked sean walsh was the one of the guys that was uh judging on it and and he said to me, oh, do you know why you, you won? And I was like, no, I'm actually surprised. And the reason I was surprised is because everyone else, one guy struggled. It was, a, you know, 5,000 audience. I don't, know how, I don't know how many people, it was quite a lot. Um, everyone, smooth, good throughout, just solid gags, you know. And Sean said, you were shit at the beginning. You came on and it was crap. <laughs> <laughs> and and but the fact that you took it from that to then having won them over by the end, like the whole, you know, it was a really lovely 30, feeling. Thirty-five thousand people. Yeah, not that's thirty. The, yeah, the, but that's the capacity. So and they were all watching you. All <laughs> me. Yeah, no pressure. Uh, but the that skill to go from having none of them on board to getting them all on board that always resonated with me that always stuck with me that you know it's a it's a good skill to have and it i think makes for a better piece of theater yeah so would i so now in to answer your question would i say things outrageously on purpose very likely but it it, it would just depend because there's also like i'm not just a comedian uh, my heart wants to be like, you know, I want to 
provide relief for everyone. Um, I, I have, uh, I have, I have a frustrating amount of empathy for everyone that um, I tend to always be not always be, but I'm always on the fence because you know if there's a good guy and a bad guy, you can always find out how that bad guy became that bad guy. You know, there's always like a reason for like everyone's behaviors and and you know I myself could have been triggered very easily in my 20s by certain words you know I was a bit homeless when I was a teenager so anyone that handled homeless comedy in a bad way upset me if you did it finally yeah great but if you did it like and you didn't know what you're talking about that used to upset me now that's oh, on me if it was right? lazy comedies what that's what triggered you if it was well constructed you yeah and I, and I think and I think that if we're just talking about on stage as a comedian, I think anything can be, I think anything can be discussed, but you, you know, like when you meet someone who's just, and you, and you're, you know, the hair just goes on your neck, you know, like it stands yeah. up on your neck and you're just getting a bad feeling. You know, the, the thing that people say, uh, it's called gut instinct. You know, when you just yeah. get a gut instinct about someone, <clears throat> I think that you can tell that from people on stage. You know, there's some people say things and you can hear that that the little tone of malice. You can hear that genuine hatred maybe towards a, a group of people, or whatever. And it just translates. I've seen um, that. Right. You, you know, people you can it just it, ugh, it doesn't seem right. I, I think it's all about the approach, the delivery. Uh, where does your heart lie and sometimes it can be so brief and, and if the audience doesn't pick up on it like not every audience member will pick up on it so that's part of the risk but um sometimes you know you can say something really inappropriate and all it takes is just one quick look towards the audience one cheeky little smile just to go you know like i love you all right you know this yeah yeah like well we're, and, we're and on I the same you. level yeah yeah so I mean, that, that brings us nicely into into uh, a feature which we which we do uh, where I try and prove that um, Wokey doesn't know what he's talking about, because 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 I'm nice like that. So, <laughs> and and we call it Jim or Jimmy, which is basically where I I read out uh, Jim Jimmy Carr and Jim Davidson material jokes straight, and uh, Wokey has to guess which one they are to oh, see like if he that. can. So uh, so I've got a few, I've got a few, and so if we um, would you like to play? Jim or Jimmy as the first ever guest. I'd love to play it. Yeah. <laughs> we can, we can insert some sort of chintzy Paris. theme tune. Yeah. Is it racist? Is it irony? Is it racist? Is it irony? Jim or Jimmy? Yeah, my chair sinks down below as I get the, you know, it's, it's basically a woke thing. So I'll say, I'll just read them completely straight and then you have to say yeah. if it's Jim or Jimmy. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a modern man. I've got no problem buying tampons, but apparently they're not a proper present. Uh, do you blurt it out or do you put your hand up? How does this work? Just whatever. You shout. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Carr. That's Jimmy Carr. I, so you think that's Jimmy I, Carr? Wokey? Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, I would say that's Jim Davidson. This is, see, this is where it is. So I tried to analyze the joke as well. I think it's just very old school 70s comedy. So I'm going for Jim Davidson. Okay. Well, well. For, fortunately, uh, 
our guest knows what he's talking about. So you were you were right. It's Jimmy Carr joke. Um, uh, based on what based on what you said, okay. Uh, uh, but I think you know what you're talking about as well. Is uh, Jimmy Carr will have if if anything more inappropriate jokes. I mean, did you see the joke that he had for the roast of um, Pete? I can't remember what his name is. The, the SNL oh, yeah. guy. And yeah. uh, there was a few jokes about his dad or something who Oh, died the 9-11 on... guy. Yeah, yeah. The nine, and he was like, that, that oh, was we're not going to roast... do any jokes about, we're not going to do any uh, roasts about uh, Jim's dad. Uh, that was done 10 years ago. Or something like that. Like, he handled it. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it was that so was good. <laughs> oh, I know, his entire performance. I, I've watched that multiple times because that was the roast of Rob Lowe. And they went, it is that far right female commentator. The, um, I've forgotten her name. And they've all of them ripped into her. But Jimmy Carr was, I don't think I could say some of this out loud, but he just he just laid into her. The same. Kentucky Derby. Her face looks like a Kentucky Derby. So um, the, other, uh, the, roast, the roast arena is already like all gloves are off. Um, you know, oh. every, everything's permitted kind of thing. But I, I also think, and this is again the difference, right? Jim Davidson already has a reputation of this underlying bigotry with him, right? And it's not underlying, right? Sometimes it's quite obvious. But <laughs> as as soon as everyone, as soon as everyone tarnishes you with that brush which you've painted with yourself, um, um, then certain jokes will land differently. While Jimmy, uh, he says things that are way worse way worse but a he's a comedian he's almost so much more comedian first i don't think jim davis is a comedian first he might be a bigot first i don't know right <laughs> so jimmy Carr's a comedian first but you can tell that you know i think it's the delivery obviously the, the whole point of the game is egg white does it very flat and i have to see if it's which way it leans if, it, if it's angry comedy or whether it is just a cleverly constructed joke, basically. But and, you... and, and one okay. thing as well for any listener that you know isn't like us doing comedy, I could see why that you could compare that one to a Jimmy a Jim Davidson joke. But those jokes are also really good peppered amongst other things. You know, like the slightly 1970s, 1980s, take my wife kind of joke <laughs> actually still have a, a lot of value in modern day. If you're sandwiching them, if you're if they're sandwiched with like more modern jokes, you know, because then the, the, again, that's the wave, the, the theater wave of like. You know, oh, yeah, no, you know absolutely. I mean. oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Before, before Egg White does his next um, Jim or Jimmy, have you seen, Eric, the. Um, in fact, should you have a code name? Because it's Eric, you know, work Asian guy, Egg White. Should we call you the typecast guy? Type, oh, no, I don't want to be typecast as a typecast guy. Okay, well, Eric. That's a fractal. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, I'm stuck in a fractal. I'm typecast as a typecast guy. What, 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 what would be your dream? What would be your dream kind of, you know, like, like sort of, you want to move name. away from, you want to move you away from the, the, sort of the, the, the moment, dodgy I'm, kind of cockney? I'm, I'm meeting quite a lot. I'm working with a coach. I'm trying to gain a sort of action movie body. Um, so I don't know. So something along those lines, you know, bad boy, the, yeah. the naughty man. So I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking yeah. about. So, oh, so well. I think I think I think in in the uh, in the sitcom, then I think there's definitely a part for you know like like Katie Hopkins's bad boy lover. 
Oh, yes. I would punish her so much. <laughs> oh, so before we go to next Jim or Jimmy, have you ever seen the Chevy Chase roast? Yeah, I no. think it's 2002. It's, it's all of it's on YouTube. It is so bad. They've never shown it again because everyone knows Chevy Chase is not a very nice person in real life. That roast, everybody literally got personal with him. And it was got so bad. I mean, they literally were making fun of his failed career and everything. I've watched it about four or five times because it is terrible. It's just really. And right at the end of it, you could see he's a broken man. Right at the end of it. It's like, yeah, I understand. Some of those gloves are, are really brutal. They're really brutal. Yeah, they're close to the bow. So, what well, next, Jim or Jimmy? One nil. So, you've got to save some <laughs> face. Treat him mean, keep him keen. If that were true, wouldn't the Jews adore the Germans? Mm. Oh, that's a good one. Um, and and here's, say- here's why it's a good one, right? Because I can hear Jimmy Carr saying this. And again, in the flow of things, um, depending on where it's aligned in the show. Can you say that, can you say that joke again? Okay, so treat him mean. Keep them keen. If that were true, wouldn't the Jews simply adore the Germans? Yeah, I'm going for Jimmy Carr, man. I'm I'm going for Jim Davidson again. It just feels very Jim Davidson. Oh. And the fact that I like the fact that Eric actually analyzes it. I just go one way or the other, then Egg White just makes fun of me, which is fine. Yeah, but you, you know, I'm, I've got I could do it. I could live with it. He's an artist, artiste. You just stand up on stage once and just said penis. So uh, yeah, you're, you're just yeah, but also does the vocation uh, have to provide balance? And maybe he knows the answer, uh, but he's he's <laughs> he doesn't. No, he doesn't. So I don't have Jim Davidson's voice in, in my mind, which is one of the reasons why I can't like, you know, like I can read a book by Stephen Fry and actually read it as Stephen Fry. You know, like this. Yeah. That's one of the beauties of having people that just in your life so much. They're like almost parental figures. But uh I don't have his voice, but I'm just aware of his, you know, bigoty flavors, right? So with that, that joke in his mouth would be terrible. And and this is, I suppose, the NRA argument, right? A good guy with a gun or a bad guy with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> there is a difference. And if, that, the if, if, and if that joke is a gun, you know, if you give it to someone that can't handle it properly, they'll fire it. And this is why I like to play the game because he doesn't really think before he speaks. <laughs> Story of oh, my you life. And Jim Davidson will get on perfectly in this pilot. <laughs> well, we're thinking it's going to be like a beautiful thing. It's going to be, you know, like some some kind of Disney movie. I think this one might be quite obvious. Um, I mean, well, because we're seeing as we've had two from Jim, Jimmy Carr, or is that a curveball? Um, so smart little Zucky or Zuki has to walk 15 miles just to fetch water and I couldn't help thinking dot 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 she should move so I've actually seen I've actually seen that one before it's a a great joke Um, (laughs) it's another Jimmy Carr uh, it is yeah it's a Jimmy but basically, I realised I realised actually that the uh, the Jim Davidson jokes that I have uh, are quite obvious because they mention things like Jordan 
and the SAS. <laughs> um, so, which, which, yeah, but the thing is, Jimmy Carr's like got a whole Bible of jokes, right? He's he's he could do every topic, so I wouldn't be surprised if he has jokes about any of that. Um, oh, no, he, he, he probably has, but no one else, yeah. you know, bigs up the SAS, which which they should. He, he, he works it, he just he works like a you know, like a nine to five, he just works, just sits down, and writes, you know, for like eight hours a day, or did, did do mm. on the way up. Um, yeah. So uh, okay, one last one. In fact, there's two because there's there's they're slightly linked. So has anyone done DIY? Can anyone who has ever tried DIY please tell me hand on heart that they don't have any admiration for the work that Fritzel did? I'm going for so Jimmy I'll... Carr in that one. For, for the for the listener, we're we talking about Joseph Fritzel. So oh, my first reaction, my first reaction was Jim Davidson. Only you're because gonna, you're going to win this one. Oh, only because again, Fritzl jokes. I'm sure Jimmy Carr's got them. Uh, and in fact, that the premise could, is very much a, a Jimmy Carr thing as well. But has anyone ever done? I think it's the, the the way the question is phrased to the audience doesn't sound like a very Jimmy Carr way of introducing that joke. So I feel I feel like that's a Jim Davidson one. Eric I'm going to do the second one, second bit as well. So it's, uh, he so Fritzl was described as the most evil man in Aust Austrian history. Not even close. Hitler. Well, that's Jim Davidson. I would say Jim Davidson as well. Uh, Drum roll. You had it. You had it. Well, I mean, you still won because literally Wokey's got no, no points, but they were both Jimmy Carr's jokes. They were both Jimmy Carr? Yeah. Oh. So what have we learned from this today? We are, um, it's the all ah, but you see, you see because oh, of, the thing is that the second part, all of a sudden, I didn't read I didn't have in my mind with that Jimmy Carr tempo because I had made my mind up about the first one. So that's that's the yeah. I love how I poisoned my own mind because <laughs> I had made my decision about that first one. Because now, like you say, okay, that's Jimmy Carr, and I go, okay, yeah, I can read it as Jimmy Carr. It's just, but I think that, that's, that's what people do when when you know, like they they have a predetermined kind of idea about oh, I can't go and see that because of this and this and that. I don't mm -hmm. like that because of this thing that they said and then you go you actually end up going and going oh my god this is like the best thing ever and that's mm. that's the best way to be and that is not what woke Asian guy does he basically makes a decision usually based on Radio 4 or The Guardian and very well yeah and if <laughs> they don't like it then he doesn't like it and it and it yeah, and they're dead to me. My my whole reason for being is to uh, <laughs> just to prove him wrong. I know it's it is really difficult to know. I don't even know what the definition of work really is, right? Because uh, well, neither do I. <laughs> it's so challenging. Like <laughs> don't I don't admit that. <laughs> oh, sorry. Like, I, like with the news and stuff, I feel like I'm pretty good because I'll watch like some global news. Like I'll generally watch Al Jazeera, and then I'll be like. Okay, but should I balance that genuinely with like let's say Fox News? Should I should no. I balance like and you're saying no, but then you're think you're cutting out 
such a huge portion of people that genuinely believe these things, right? So, like, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you've seen any, any GB News, right? So, so GB no, I haven't. News, I haven't actually been. A, have you heard? Have you you've heard of it? It's in the new, new I saw advertising when I popped yeah. into the UK this year, but I I haven't actually been in the country for it. So normally, traditional news, you kind of you've got, you know, they they basically they tell you this is what happened and from this this can kind of this this is going to have a uh what why it's happened and possible like reasons as to or or predictions of what's going to happen and it's got like a little package in vt gb news is basically just opinion and i think it's more kind of more foxy fox news or um you know like Piers morgan style just, All and, the and presenters are anti-woke, basically. Because oh, we don't believe in this woke culture. We're gonna freedom of speech. Speech is what they. Um, Lawrence Fox fronted, say. kind of. Yeah, new, and John Cleese has got his own show on it as well. So yeah, you know. I heard that. I heard that. I heard that through your episode. In fact, <laughs> um, the so the episode. other thing is to answer uh, to to uh, mention also that's the reason why I read the Daily Mail is just to see what the other. I mean, I read the Guardian as. Egg White keeps annoying me about, but if I read the Daily Mail, I can see what the other side is saying, and you can see the healthy. insanity. And mm. it's and a lot of the stuff they do is coded as well. You could just see the actual triggering mechanisms that they have in their articles and the headlines as well. It's like okay, but, here, but here's the here's the mad thing though. Uh, provide balance. What you just said could easily be said by someone who reads the Daily Mail and sometimes reads the Guardian for balance, right? Like once you're so entrenched in in a perspective it's so difficult to see other, otherwise like and i'm oh. i'm to i'm equally there not necessarily with politics or news but actually well kind of i because of my nomadic childhood and having lived everywhere i don't really abide by sort of one political view which i think is healthy but then i'll also go yeah. like but i am that reason because i'm so entrenched in the fact that i'm that person and so it's it's so this is where again my heart and my empathy goes to people because i go those those people poisoned by a certain news outlet or and it doesn't even have to be poisoned right if you just read too much of the guardian and you don't read any other news outlet then you are the guardian's little bitch right so Correct. but 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 then at the same time you have to choose something at some point. Like, I can't watch every news outlet, like the Back to the Future 2 screens, where there's like 24 <laughs> screens playing at the same time. I can't do that. So I have to, so I've just chosen Al Jazeera. Yeah. No, no reason, I, just, I was like, oh, global, they're talking about, they're it seems good. But then I'm like, but they they still have their- um, Agenda. I'm looking. Agenda, they still have their agenda. So then I'm going, oh, fuck. I'm what, where do I get my news from? And there's this beautiful quote, I can't remember who says it, but it's something along the lines of, uh, if you don't watch the news, you're uninformed. And if you do watch the news, you're misinformed. Which <laughs> encapsulates it beautifully. Um, a part of me doesn't want to live now in um, my daily life without, let's say, a little bit of news, knowing what's going, what goes on in the world. Uh, and then every single time I imbibe some news, mm. I go, is it, is it stroke? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, I mean, fact check, fact check, fact check. Who's, who's, who's got the time and also just can be bothered to 
if you read something, you go, hang on, I just need to, uh, I just need to check five different sources to fact check this to see if it's actually true. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I ain't got time for that shit. And which then brings me back to like, let's say GB kind of stuff. I understand why people just want to be told what, what, what's going on by someone. Like, if for example, you you grow up with a particular celebrity who you like for twenty years, and then all of a sudden they 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 become part of GB News or whatever, you'll go. Oh, well, I've been trusting them for 20 years. I've been listening to their podcast for 20 years. I might as well do that. And there is there is some comfort in just being someone's going, hey, just so you know, that's what I think the reality of things is. Yeah. Because because at some point, and I don't know if this is an age, um, a, a rite of passage thing or, you know, as we get older, but at some point we all get it. No one gets it. Oh yeah, that definitely yeah. No one knows. No one knows. No one knows anything. If you if you break everything down, no one knows anything, and you just have to choose, yeah. isn't it? That is. I mean, mad. I mean, I mean, basically, if you've just just completely described the podcast because we know nothing. <laughs> but just just make sense of it. We we are living <laughs> proof that no one knows anything. But we're, but we're trying to make sense to work of it. You through it. <laughs> yeah, we're working through it, Egg White. But just a segue, same but different. Did you see that uh, is in LA, this um, stand-up comic and an open mic circuit? She did a joke and it's like someone started asking, oh, you didn't vote Trump. And she's like having a back and forth. And they actually threw a beer at her. Then she picked the beer up and drank it. Because someone in the baller. audience was like offended. It's just basically it's a Trump anti-Trump kind of thing. Was that was that ending? Was that actually true? Or was that all... all... Well, that's the kind of story that if that happens to you, someone throws a beer at you, you kind of fit, you kind of go, oh, oh, and then walk <laughs> off stage. But then you think, hang on, hang on, I can use this. I can use this, right? So actually, I'm gonna it, no, you. I'm it, gonna then come it, back with the best one liner down yeah. that. I, I, I tell you one it, thing. It sounds though. accurate. It sounds accurate because you know, if the comedian in her is powerful enough, that you would you would just use that weapon immediately as a joke. <laughs> Um, I know. Well, to be honest, everything worked out for her because she ended up on the Jimmy Kimmel show doing a stand-up act on that. Oh, that's nice. I thought oh, you were well, Jimmy Kimmel show. So, what you should do: get friend in LA to throw a can at you, film it, then you sort of have a back and forth, and let I'm go all about viral. organic, man. I'm all oh, about okay. organic. Oh, okay. Oh, organic bit. Just, just make it organic lager. Oh, organic lager. Yeah. <laughs> things will happen organically. Someone's going to throw something at me eventually. <laughs> Well, it can't be worse and than Jerry Sadowitz. You know, he got punched be out, didn't he? When, some, when someone throws something at you, you'll be ready. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Skills like a ninja. Eric Lampeth, <laughs> thank you very much for coming on our show. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank yeah. you both. Um, yeah, thank you. And for any listeners, uh, I, I just want to shout out to my YouTube channel. I make some weird shit on there. So that's it. Just come and check out my YouTube channel. Make some fun videos. Caucasian guy. And Egg White. And special guest, Eric Lampere.